Hey guys, it's Jason again, along with my co-host Rich, and we're in Victory Brand Studios. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Louisville shooting. It's not always fun and games for first responders. Zero five central, you show me in pursuit. But sometimes it is. Oh my God, he's not wearing pants again. Sometimes it's dangerous. Flipping around, look out, look out, look out. Sometimes it's not. Antler Boulevard for a snake in a house. And sometimes it's just plain stupid. Chihuahua in his lap on a lawnmower. This is the stupid side of first response. Do I really have to go to that? This is code 0.5. Come in 0.5. Okay, uh, I guess once again we had another active shooter scenario or I say scenario travesty that happened in Louisville on uh April tenth. What was that like at eight thirty in the morning? Yep. And uh I'm gonna make the request that you don't talk about mention the shooter's name and that kind of stuff because oh, we right. really don't give a rat's ass who he is. Nope. Um this shooting was at old national bank in Louisville, Kentucky where five people were killed and eight others were injured. And I guess of those the ones that were injured, two of them were police officers. The uh, statistics or the, oh, the facts of what happened says that a uh, phone call was placed around 8.38 a.m. from the old National Bank, and it was reported that an active shooter was in the area. Uh, the employees of the old national bank were in a conference room during a scheduled virtual meeting when the shooter opened fire. Um, and I didn't realize this till you had mentioned it, but I guess this person live streamed this Mm -hmm. on Instagram. Yep. And, uh, the reason I believe that was picked is that was where it worked. Oh yeah, there were coworkers. Yeah, he this this dude worked there. But yeah, he apparently live streamed it on Instagram. Um, and from what I'm reading here is says officers were able, arrived at the scene three minutes after the first call came in, and then. I said it says that they saw a man lying near the entrance to a hotel before hearing shots. Uh, and then said the shooter had set himself up in an ambush position and able to target the police at eight forty five AM. It says LMPD, which is the Louisville Metro Police Department, were able to put a stop to it at eight forty five. So they were made aware of it at 838 mm. and seven minutes later they put a stop to it um most importantly though we'll talk about their five victims that were killed were Josh Barrick Deanna Eckert Tommy Elliott Juliana Farmer and Ch- Jim Tut says all the victims were employed at the bank says four of those victims were pronounced at the scene, and uh, Eckert died 
at the hospital. But then I guess there was a letter found. Yeah, there were two. By the shooter. Yeah. Apparently there were two extensive notes. There was one in his home and one found on him um, after they started checking him. And the notes apparently reveal that part of his goal was to show how easy it is in America for someone dealing with serious mental illness to buy an assault-style weapon. Huh. Apparently he had purchased an AR-15-style rifle seven days before the shooting. And under Kentucky law, he's only required to fill out a form for the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives and to undergo an FBI records check to ensure he's not a felon or the subject of a court-imposed restraining order. So, and you know, after it happened, what's the first thing that people start talking about? They want to get rid of whatever weapons, but this one and then the last shooting we talked about, both of them, the common denominator involved was that both people needed mental health treatment. Right. And according to, that's one of the things though, too, is that according to the suspect's mother, and the 911 call, she said, we don't even own guns. I don't know where he would have gotten a gun. So they were, weren't even aware that he was in possession of anything. Did he live with his mom? I believe. Okay. So that his, uh, apparently he had a diagnosis of depression, but nobody saw any signs that he was planning or capable of violence. Yeah, and from what I'm, I've read, it said that uh, I guess he had messaged some of his friends or one of his friends telling him that he had felt suicidal and that uh, says here he wanted to kill as many people in the bank as he could. So he had told a friend about that and nobody said anything. Yeah. Nobody called, you know, 988 and said, hey, I got this this guy I work with or one of my friends. And he's not talking right. He's not acting right. He could have called law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Said, hey, man, I'm worried about this guy. He's 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 not acting right. But, yeah, and I'm you know, and I understand that people don't want to get involved. Um, like we, you know, we'll have people call in and be like, "Hey, my friend's not acting right. He said this, this, and that. Can you go check on him? But don't mention it was me, or you know. So I mean, and. That 988 that you mentioned, that's a nationwide thing. Mm -hmm. So if you or somebody that needs some kind of help is struggling or needs someone to talk to, you can call that number and give them the information, and then they will actually send it out to the whoever in that local area mm-hmm. and will get you some help. Oh yeah. They'll, they'll bring out a, like a mobile crisis unit. Yeah. And I mean it, it and like what this guy here, his own worst enemy was himself. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it's so hard to help people with that because a lot of time, like if it's me and I'm struggling with something, I've got so much pride that I'm not going to tell you. Mm. So if somebody has gotten to that point that they're saying this stuff and they're telling you, mm-hmm. it's it's getting to that it's starting to get to that level where hey, either he needs help or something's going to get bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm and this is something that and mental health is not something to joke about. It's not funny. It's 
I mean, you could probably name, I mean, every person could probably say something in their life that they've gone through or experienced where somebody needed some help at some point, or maybe they did and nothing was done about it. Mm -hmm. Because there's such a stigma around it. Yeah. Because I mean, I've, I've gone out on calls with people and, you know, kind of asking around and stuff. You'd be like, Hey man, have you ever gone to the doctor about this stuff? Like, are you on any medications or anything like that? And they'll, you know, yeah, uh, I went back, you know, at whatever it was, and I'm supposed to be on this and this and this. And it's like, well, well what, why aren't you? What is it a, like a money issue or, and then like you've had, I've had people say, you know, well, I quit taking it because my girlfriend, every time she'd get mad at me, she'd, she'd throw it in there, you know, like, oh, did you take your crazy pills today? Yeah. And so, I mean, they, you know what I'm saying? They didn't want to deal with that. They, they looked at it or it was used against them or like, thrown in their face somehow when they were really trying to do the best they could or whatever. And which ultimately just makes things worse. Yeah. it's like, if that's what somebody who supposedly cares about you, if that's how they're going to talk to you and treat you, then they don't really care about you. Yeah. You know, screw that. So, so, and that, and that's another thing that we wanted to start getting out to people is that there's a nationwide number that you can call and it's that it's nine, eight, eight. And do you, what's the specifics on it? The name of them and, um, so they go, there's a couple different ones. So basically it was developed so I can find this cause it was rolled out nationwide cause they wanted to have something available that was like nine one one. Yeah. Um, cause there's all sorts of freaking crisis lines and call this place and call that place or whatever. They wanted to have one centralized thing that they could call the people could call if they needed help. Uh, trying to pull it up but if you need a minute I can give it to you yeah oh heck I just so pulled it up oh and you can even text them yeah the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline was renamed the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline on July 15th 2022 988 was officially implemented as the toll free nationwide number for the hotline on July 16th. And it's it's essentially like how 911 works. So it looks at your location and tells them where you need to be or the resources closest to you to get you in touch with somebody that's close. We actually had somebody that had called 988 for a family member. And a person from the 988 line contacted our dispatch gave them the information about what was going on and requested that we go out there and just sit with them until the mobile crisis unit could get there. Just in the off chance, they didn't say he was doing anything and they weren't hurting themselves, but that they had received a call and they wanted to make sure that they would be okay until their people could get there. And once we got there, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, it wasn't a have to place them in handcuffs type thing while they were talking to the people. I mean, they treated them Right there. Like, um, yeah, I mean, they, they will, you know, talk to you there, um, take you for evaluation and stuff. I mean, they'll transport you. Like, they'll do all that. But it wasn't like you had to sit there and be, you know, be handcuffed to a chair while we were waiting for them. They didn't want that. Yeah. They, they didn't want. It's it's not like anything that you would. And from what I'm looking at right now, it says that, like, they have a website. It's 988lifeline.org. And then that 988 number, you can call or you can text them. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and you know how a lot of people, younger people don't like to call. I mean, heck, I'm the same way. I'll see a phone call come in and I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't want to talk right now. Mm-hmm. But I'll send a text or whatever. But, uh, you know, you can even do, even do that. You can send a text message to talk to, mm-hmm. you know, whoever you need to. The, and then they will help and do whatever need be to get you know, their resources activated or whatever to get you some help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since the launch of 988, um, they've seen a significant rise in call volume. They've routed more than 2 million calls, texts, and chat messages to call centers, with the majority being answered in under a minute. So you have somebody available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The average speed to answer over a year, <clears throat> excuse me, was about three minutes, and that was in 2021. It's now 44 seconds. And that was in December of 2022. So, you know, this uh, this isn't just a, an individual thing. It's not like if you are having a problem, you know, to you go deal with it or you contact whoever. If you're concerned for a, a friend, a loved one, or a total stranger, you can call. Or you can even step in. I mean, there's nothing wrong with going, hey, man, it, are you all right? And I know that's tough because, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about it, don't want to bring it up. But we need to, I guess, eliminate that stigma that, you know, just because you're saying that you need help doesn't mean that you're weak. Mm -hmm. And uh, since its launch, they've also increased the number of call centers uh, for Spanish speaking uh, people from three to seven. And they, they have some different Spanish speaking language options for text and chat messaging. And they are also implementing video phone capabilities for people who are deaf or hard of hearing. So they're really trying to cover their bases here, making sure that everybody can has access to mental health. Yeah, so basically with all this crap and then that shooting that happened, we need to stop going after the object that they're holding to perform these acts. We need to start going towards the people and helping them. Yeah, and... And it's, I think we touched on that before. It's like if you have somebody, like say you have a, you know, I think we talked about the red flag laws and, and stuff like that and, you know, how the, it could be good and it could be bad, you know, like stepping it up. You know, if you have somebody that lives in your house that may have access to your firearms, you know what I'm saying, would that, you know, of course you keep your stuff in a safe, yeah. but, I mean, does it, one of my big things would be if they did that, and let's say you had somebody that lived in your house that, you know, they, they had nixed a person with mental health problems or mental health diagnosis, nixed them from being able to get a hold of a weapon. And let's say they lived in a home with somebody that did have one that was undiagnosed. So that would that nix that person from being able to own anything? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it just snowballs. It's just a bigger, I don't, I don't really think there is a good a good way to do it. Because you have the you have the you know the people that may not have a diagnosis that want to do their thing and live their life, but then you also have these people that that do have diagnosis and they shouldn't don't need to be around it. You know what I'm saying? They don't need the opportunity. So how do you balance? You know, if you take it away from, it's like punishing everybody. So it's I, I think it's going to be you know, a round and round thing. And even if you did take 
guns away. Like I think they do that in the UK. They're stabbings though. Yeah. You know I'm saying they're going to find a way. Yeah. Whether it be a, a knife or a brick or a rope or, you know, there's some of a car. I mean, there's so many things that are available to them. You just take one thing away, then there's going to find something else. So we need to go after the source and, and it's probably tough to do because there's no funding for it. Right. I mean, we get all this funding for other stuff that, and I guess because it's not cool or whatever, because they will, they'll get all this funding for, you know, like putting stuff in your town for playgrounds and, you know, parks and all this stuff. But then, because that helps more of a majority of people where the other one doesn't. But, and you know what? Golly, I just got through looking. There's. Let me see. I was trying to find statistics for mass violence crimes that didn't involve guns. Well, I was looking through here at uh, gun violence in the United States, and it talks about how a majority of gun violence involves people with uh, mental health problems. I don't know. Dang, man, that's going to be a whole other episode of stuff mm-hmm. to talk about. Exactly. I was trying to, that's what I was saying. I mean, I know, like, I know they took them away, but, like, they, they did away with them in Chicago, 100%. And they, and in Illinois, you're not, you're oh, not it's, but it's like, like Chicago's the most restrictive city in the right, but United States. They actually have the most gun deaths per year. Yeah. Even though it's the most restrictive. So, yeah. I mean, it, they, they're going to get it. They're going to get it regardless. Yeah. Which shows that, you know, and like the, people have mentioned this before, you can, you know, legislate it and outlaw it to death, but you're only hurting the law-abiding citizen. Mm-hmm. So you're not doing the others any good. No, because if they want it, they'll get it. Oh yeah, I think uh, I was actually watching a. I think it was on a TikTok. The dude was talking about things that he'd gotten off the like off the dark web and stuff, and he's like, "Oh, one of the first things I got was a gun." Yeah, you know, it's like. We gonna do with that? Yeah, and then there's other ways I can get them. I mean, private party sales, private party sales, and I mean now, if you get a 3D printer, I mean you can you can do it. You can do something. Yeah. Like there was that one dude in Florida, and they did a gun buyback program up to like two hundred dollars. I think it was like two hundred dollars for like a long gun or whatever. And this guy went to Lowe's and I think spent a couple of bucks, and it was like some two by fours and some black pipe couple nails and uh some other crap and they look like there's some jinky jinky crap and of course he you come up and said okay you want to buy them back and they were like no i don't know about that he, and he demonstrated that they worked and they had to buy every single one of them from him i think he only spent like uh to pull that up for each gun it cost him like five to ten bucks to make yeah. and they were paying him two hundred dollars for it yeah I'm reading more on the Louisville thing. We can probably get back on that. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, how the, the uh, mentions here, the chief medical officer at the University of Louisville Hospital, I guess, talked about how they received nine patients. Two were police officers who were injured in the shooting. Three of them were released later that afternoon. 
and three were still in the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Uh, oh, I didn't know this. The three who were critically wounded uh, required operations, and one of those police officers required brain surgery. Mm. Yeah, he was a rookie, wasn't he? It didn't say here what it was. There's a long paragraph about um, the uh, the suspect. It talks about how oh he repeatedly uh, suffered from concussions from playing football. Really. See, and that's that thing that I was reading, I was telling you about, that they were, his brain was going to be examined examined for signs of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, commonly known as CTE. And the disease has a variety of symptoms, including memory loss, confusion, impaired judgment, aggression, depression, anxiety, impulse control issues, and sometimes suicidal behavior. But experts note that symptoms like these may not necessarily be caused by CTE. So I think they're they're... There's a correlation between that now? I don't know. There's so many things. The brain is so, I mean, it's like it's like it, it's undiscovered country still. Mm. We still don't know everything about it. And say this guy, you know, I mentioned earlier about how the guy uh, told one of his friends he was feeling suicidal and that he wanted to kill as many people in that bank as he could. Some of his other family and friends said that he posted dark memes about how he could burn the whole place down, talking about his bank. And it says, one of his posts says, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Mm. And then another post he said is, they won't listen to words or protests, but let's see if they hear this. Jeez. And I know you see that stuff so often. People post it like crazy, and it's hard. I mean, they're probably people are probably afraid that they, if they call in enough and are reporting stuff, that it's like a, they're a crying wolf. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. It's so tricky to figure out whether or not somebody really needs, you know, that kind of help. But. Um, and, you know, this one, I wanted to mention this one because, you know, what I said earlier, it boils down to the same things. People are needing mental health treatment. But, uh, I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot involved with this one. This guy obviously had a mental health condition. He had signs that he needed help. He couldn't get help. And... Law enforcement responded and put a stop to him within seven minutes. But, uh, you know, here's another thing. You guys need to go on our Facebook and like the page. Also, we've got Patreon and Cash App. The Patreon is uh, code 0.5, and then our uh, Cash App is the SDL Media Group. It's what's over... A bunch of things that we have going on. But uh, uh, anyway, I think we've kind of hit a stopping point on this and we can get out of here. Yeah, there was a. I was looking through some stuff trying to figure out if they can 
gleaned anything from those letters that he left. Oh, you're still reading. Yeah, and essentially the essentially, I mean, he was just quiet or whatever, but I guess in twenty eighteen he had wrote an essay about having issues fitting in. And that's another thing that needs to stop is bullying in mm-hmm. schools. You know what I'm saying? Because stuff like this uh says my self esteem has been a long problem has long been a problem for me. Uh struggled to an extent to fit in. This has given me somewhat negative self-image that persists today. Making friends has never been easy, so I have more experience than most in operating alone. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just that that's a whole other... We can go down the whole rabbit hole with all this. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure there was bullying on top of the mental health issues. I mean, I, don't, I didn't see anything about him having any kind of substance abuse issues. But no, I mean, and that's that's strange too, because usually people with mental health conditions have mm-hmm. substance abuse yeah, problems, self medicating. Yeah, we wouldn't. So, all right, well, we're gonna get out of here. If you guys like the format of our shows and what we've been talking about, let us know. If you think we should uh, stop it and just talk about funny stuff, then I might think about it. But <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. Later on. You have been listening to Code 0.5, the lighter side of police work. If you have ideas or suggestions for our show, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our website at Code05.co. That's Code05.co. And please consider making a donation at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Code05. Be sure to use the digits 05. Thanks for listening to Code 0.5.